Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Well, it's great to see you guys this morning. Today, we're continuing in our series we kicked off last week in the Song of Solomon. And we're looking at this book, one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible. We're looking at it through the lens of, of likely written by Solomon near the end of his life. In many ways, a song of confession and repentance, sort of painting this picture of, of how he wished that his life had been, that he wished he had approached marriage and romance. Uh, and in many ways, looking at it through the lens of, of, of the garden, this beautiful, beautiful picture of, of love and, and really that we're looking at it through the lens of seeing a couple uh, through these different moments and seasons of their life together. And so last week, we looked at um, attraction and, and what that's all about. And through this series, uh, we're gonna look at these different moments, and each week, some of these messages, these first two, are, are more geared towards singles, and, and then the next few weeks will be more geared towards married couples, but, but in each um, week, we're looking to have application both for singles and for marrieds and, and really kind of speaking to both. And I do want to give a, a quick shout out. Some of you might be single and, and have really, are very content in that and, and, and don't feel a desire to date and, and, and don't feel like a great uh, calling towards being married. And I just want you to know that, that the Bible, in the New Testament particularly, um, we, we see that that singleness um, it can be an incredible opportunity, whether for a season or for a lifetime calling. Can be the, the scriptures are clear that there's, there's a freedom to focus on God and ministry that single people have that, that w- without the distractions that come with marriage and family. And so if that's you, I want you to know that, 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 that the Bible honors your situation absolutely. And that, but here's the thing, this, this, I believe this series is good for you as well. One, because many of these principles apply to every relationship. But single people, people that aren't married, people aren't really looking to be married, many times can be an amazing role of support and encouragement to their friends um, and, and, and able to speak in ways from, from a different perspective. And, and so if that's you, I, I hope you enjoy and get a lot out of this series as well. But the fact is, statistically, most of us don't feel called to a lifetime of singleness, and, but many times the way people approach dating. And so today, well, last week we looked at attraction, today we're gonna look at, at dating, and many times the way we approach dating is all wrong. And it's important for us to look at what God's word has to say. See, what happens a lot of times is, is many people leave God out of their dating life, doing the whole relationship the opposite of how God tells us to do it. And, and then when we get married and we're surprised when we have trouble, and then we blame God. Well, God, how did you do this to me? And he's like, you've not involved me in this process at all. And, and, and what, we feel like God has somehow ditched us, but we've shut him out from day one, many times leaving incredible pain. And, and, and here's the thing, as we talk about these guidelines of what does a healthy dating relationship look like, I, I want you to know that, that the Bible, God, God doesn't give us these guidelines to hold out on us. 
That's the oldest lie that the devil's been telling all the way back to the garden, is that God does not have good things for you, and that God's way is simply him holding out on you, keeping good things from you, and the opposite is true. God gives us guidelines and principles for our own good and flourishing, because he wants good things for us, and the fact is, when we leave him out of our dating life, our married, married life, it ultimately leads to pain and heartbreak. And so I'm gonna uh, preach a message today, uh, six marks of a healthy dating relationship. And many of these principles also apply to marriage. And, and, but also, I wanna share with you in the six marks of a healthy dating relationship, and six times you might wanna think about breaking up. And some, this is the day to make that decision because you can return that gift tomorrow. <laughs> Save yourself some dollars. Look at Song, if you have your Bibles, go for Song of Solomon chapter one, verse nine. <laughs> Song of Solomon one, nine. Um, Solomon saying here, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. So again, we see Solomon likes to compare his girl to animals. You are like a pretty horse. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. Well, and, and then now we hear from her. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved is to me a, a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful your, your, your eyes are doves. Now, so Solomon starts off saying, you are like this horse. Uh, but it's really more than that. When he says I, he's comparing her to a mare of, among Pharaoh's chariots. And, and it may not sound amazing to you, but, but it's really power-packed. And, and that the, the only person in, in the ancient world, the time of the Pharaohs, that, that had white horses was the Pharaoh. And, and so what, what he's, and so what would happen when the Pharaoh's army was coming in, that you could see these white horses in, a, in the distance, and they stuck out, they were, they were noticeable, they, were, they, 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 they stuck out in the crowd, and so what he's saying is he's saying that there's something special about you, you're not like all the rest, when I see you, you're the only one that I see. You rise above. It's this, it's this incredible kind thoughts, these incredibly kind words. And, and then we see she is, is, uh, says, this, you're like uh, this perfume. And she says, uh, you see, my beloved, it's to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. In the ancient world, um, one of, many times a woman would have like a necklace with like a little bag of spices around her neck. I kinda, kinda picture it sort of like a car air freshener, kinda hanging from the rear view mirror. <laughs> and, but this picture here is, is she's saying, I, it, the picture's like, she's like laying in her bed alone, thinking about this man and, and how amazing he is and the, and, and the, the sweetness of, of, of who he is and what he means to her. We're seeing both of these folks having these incredibly kind thoughts to one another, for, for one another, that then lead to these incredibly kind words to one another. 
And ultimately, the way a couple thinks about one another will then decide how a couple speaks to one another, which is one of the greatest influencers in the health or dysfunction of a relationship. It's a big big deal, and, and so, so, so some of you are married, you've been married for a while, and I'd encourage you to think, how does the way I daydream about my spouse compare to when we were dating? And how does the way that I talk to them compare to when we were dating? There's nothing more important in, 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 the, in, in, the, in a healthy dating relationship or marriage relationship than the words that we speak to one another, and so, the, the principle is this, is if however you're dating, if they don't speak kindly to you now, now here's a mistake that many times people make when they're dating, especially ladies. Ladies are notorious for making this mistake of saying, well, he's, he's like, the, uh, treats me at like a six and a half now, but I'm sure once we're married, it'll be a solid eight and a half. More like four. It's gonna go from like a six and a half down to a four for a while, likely. It's not like there's all this idea, oh, it's gonna be so much better. The, the idea of it's gonna be better when lies. It's gonna be better when we're married. No, it's gonna be harder when you're married. It's gonna be better when we have kids, in some ways, but it's also gonna be harder. And so, so if the way he's speaking to you now isn't great, don't live with this fantasy that, that once there, he puts a ring on it, it's gonna suddenly get that much better. So when dating, if the pattern is that you guys don't build each other up, with your words. You don't speak kindly to each other. Might be time to break up. Look here at Song of Solomon 2, verse one. It says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. It is is the, the woman speaking, and, and then the man, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. So we see this picture here of, of when we remember last week, when the woman described herself, she was kind of, it was kind of a mixed bag. She says, I am dark, but I'm lovely. She then goes on to talk about how my, I'm a little bit embarrassed of my complexion. I've had to spend so much time in the fields outside. I, I, I wish I, my complexion was a little different than it is. I'm dark, but I'm lovely. But, but now it's, it's, I'm a rose of Sharon. I'm a lily of the valleys. What we kind of see is this picture that as, as it's gone from, from attraction to now there's this full-fledged relationship, it's changed the way she sees herself. Now, this is a fine line, because at the end of the day, our primary source of, of how we see ourselves, view ourselves, and, and see ourselves as valuable, our primary source of that should be not another person, but it should be who we are in God, who he says we are. We are his children. But, but the other thing is true that there is literally no benefit in spending the rest of your life with someone who makes you feel worse about yourself. So what we see is that this idea that he makes her feel secure in his love. He's, and then he goes on saying, compared to you, everyone else, compared to you, you're a beautiful flower and everyone else is just a weed. Everyone else is just a bunch of thorns. You, you stand out among the rest. They, they, there's this idea of bringing out the best in each other. One of the initial things I noticed when, when Claire and I first started dating is that she brought out the best in me. And she's done that these last 26 years since we started dating, 25 years of being married, that she brought out the best in me. This is a big deal. And so as a married person, I'd encourage you to ask yourself this question, how am I 
bringing out the best in my spouse. As you're dating somebody, or I'd ask you to ask these questions, or even as a married person, are we better together? How are we encouraging one another? Ask yourself these questions. Am I more passionate for Jesus as a result of this relationship? Ask this question. Am I more committed to making my life count because of this person. Now, it's, it's really this principle we see in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, and let us consider how we might stir one another up, how we might encourage one another towards love and good deeds. So how are we encouraging one another? Are we encouraging one another towards love, love of God, love of people, but love of God first and foremost? And so how are we encouraging each other to, to love God more? Are they encouraging me this way? And, and then uh, how are we encouraging one another towards good deeds? How are we encouraging one another to make our lives count? And so as you're dating, especially, you're in this process, ask yourself this question, are, are we helping each other become Better? Are we spurring one another on to love Jesus more, to love people more, to make our life count more? These are great questions. And so a great question, if, if, when you're dating, if you're not encouraging one another to continue to grow in Jesus, it might be time to break up. Third, look here at Song of Solomon 2, verse four. Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. Here's the principle. A healthy dating relationship, you're eager for others to know you're together. So the banqueting table was this large um, hall, tons of, the idea is that there's this giant banquet. And have you ever watched like at, at a state banquet when a foreign head, head of state is, is uh, coming here for a state visit and they'll do the state banquet? Many times at those type of banquets or other very, very formal engagements, they, they will announce the most important people there will be in, in, announced, usually couple by couple, and then with the guest of honor, the most important people there, uh, would, would be announced last. And so couple by, and so this image we're kind of getting is there's this large banquet, and, and this is the first time that Solomon and this young lady are being announced publicly as they go into this giant feast. There's all these people there. And so they're saying, let him lead me to the banquet hall. I want everyone to know we're together. Let his banner over me be love. I want everyone to know we're, we love one another. And, and this idea, this banner, there's lots of powerful symbolism there. Many times uh, there's uh, in military conquests, the, as, as an army would go in, they would be at the front, somebody would be carrying the banner that was the king's banner specifically. And it's sort of this mark of identity. It was used to identify the king's troops. This banner is also in a, with a leader, a, a king, can many times speak of their presence. Uh, even in England today, when King Charles is, is in residence at a specific palace or castle, there will be a, a specific flag that flies only when he's there. It's a way of saying the king is here. It's this mark of presence, but it's also a picture of spiritual blessing. Even today, when Jewish couples get married, many times there's this prayer shawl that's kind of, uh, kind of over them like a banner. It's this picture of them inviting God into this relationship as the two become one flesh. And so there's, but, but we see this picture of she is eager for everybody to know that they're together. She wants her parents to know him. 
We look at Song of Solomon chapter three, verse four. She's in this moment, she's out looking for him. She says, scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Now, teenagers, I encourage you. Next time you're like knocking on your parents' bedroom door, just be like, I just wanted to come into the room of the one who conceived me. It's just a way to make it weird with your folks. It's just very colorful language. Why didn't she just say mom again? I don't know. To the room, it's like poetic. It's, uh, and, and, but she wants her parents to know him. So here's a principle. When you're dating, if you're not eager to introduce the person to your parents, to your friends, to your pastors, to your church family, then there's good odds there's something missing in the relationship. And conversely, if someone is too ashamed of you to go public in the relationship, you can for sure do better. So the principle, the question, when dating, if one of you is ashamed for the world to know that you're together, it might be time to break up. Here's another mark of a healthy dating relationship. And, and obviously, with these principles, we're, we're not talking about young teenagers dating. We're talking about, about people in a more mature season of their life. But we see here this, this, uh, this mark of growing sexual desire. Song of Solomon 2, verse 5. says, uh, strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples. For I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. So in the ancient world, raisins were thought of as very sensual. Also apples, it says apples here, that speaks of a family of fruits, would include apples, apricots, pomegranates. Likely we're talking about pomegranates here. But, but the raisins were thought of as, as a very sensual thing. Some of you have not yet bought a Valentine's gift. You can go to Rayleigh's and spend $4 on raisins. Happy Valentine's Day. And they're like, what was, you know, well, it's, it's super, back in the day it was super sensual. And then your other person will be like, well, today I'm looking for diamonds. And so uh, they're like, and we see this idea uh, with King David after the ark of the covenant had been taken into Jerusalem. It was kind of this incredibly powerful moment of, of, of accomplishment and, and peace for the nation of Israel, and so the army was sent back home for a time of, for a break, and we see in, in 2 Samuel chapter six that, uh, the, the, that he distributed among all the people, both to women and to men, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. Some of you here might be baby boomers. Yeah, we all the baby boomers, because after World War II, all these soldiers came home and, and, and then they, they all made babies together. And, and so there's this big wave of all these people. And, and, and so what we see here is, is King David is saying, hey, he's giving everybody a break. He's saying, go home. And, and by the way, take this raisin cake. Go home and get it on, is, uh, what, he's, is, is what he's saying here. And so, and so this idea, there's like, strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, what she, there's this growing sexual desire. And then so when you're dating, if there's not a growing physical attraction, where the idea of waking up next to that person every day for the rest of your life, 
is not increasingly sounding like the best idea you've ever heard, might be time to break up. You might make up a different excuse as to why you're doing it. Something about. Um, so, but we see this balance in, the, in this book. So next week we're gonna look at this, their wedding and this honeymoon night, but we, we see this theme repeated three times in this song, Song of Solomon 2, 7. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires or until the time is right. This idea of appropriate sexual boundaries is a mark of a healthy dating relationship. And so he, he, what we see here is, is this challenge, this charge, saying, promise me this, swear this. But then we're, we're not used to this idea of saying, hey, I'm, man, so we like swear to your mother's grave or swear to God or swear to the Bible. Here's what we see is I charge you, by, swear by those gazelles over there. By those deer, swear by that also. And, and, but, but here's the picture. It, it's, uh, if you look at the language in Hebrew, if you look at the language in Hebrew, a number of Hebrew scholars have noticed that the word for Hebrew for gazelles is sabaoth, which could suggest the name Yahweh of sabaoth, the Lord of hosts or armies. And the Hebrew word for wild does are ayaloth, Hasado, which sounds similar to El Shaddai, God Almighty. So in the, in the Jewish culture, there's this incredible reverence for the name of God, where you would never ever swear to God. You would be very careful ever even saying the name of God. They'd try to avoid that and all, because they felt like it, was, it could be careless with its holy, holy name. And so what, what any person that was list, reading this in Hebrew, as they're seeing this idea of swear to the gazelles, swear to the does, they'd pick up this idea of saying, oh, I'm being challenged in, in the name of God to have these appropriate sexual boundaries. See, the thing is, sex, sexual relations are a good thing. They're a God thing. They're one of God's, they're God's idea, one of God's best ideas. When they happen at the right place, with the right person, in the right way, and at the right time, and, and, and the counsel of scripture from beginning to end is, is not just any time is a good time. There's a proper time, there's a God time, and it's called marriage. And see, God's plan is this. You meet, you spend some time together, many times in groups, start dating, involve the families, get engaged, get married, have sex, live together, stay together. Now here's what it looks like in our culture today. You see a profile online. You swipe right. Meet, hook up for casual sex, maybe start dating, live together, maybe after some long period of time get married, and then when things get tough, break up. See, here's the thing. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe, maybe some of you don't consider yourselves followers of Jesus. And, 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 and that's, we're, I'm just glad you're here and exploring all of what it looks like to, to, to what's, what's this whole Jesus thing about. But if you're a follower of Jesus seeking to, to live a life that honors God and you're in a dating relationship and you're, and you're falling into sexual sin, you have a few options in your quest to honor God. One, as you can try to stay together 
and stop having sex. That works about one out of 300 attempts. Because it's not the way God meant for it to be. God's idea is, is, is people get married, have sex, and then keep having sex. So this idea of, hey, we were having sex for six months, now we've been, been convicted, and now we're just gonna keep dating for the next three years, and it's, we're not gonna do it anymore. It, that's just almost never works. So you could do that, you could, you could do that, you could uh, try. Or if you could move towards marriage quickly, if you both love Jesus, are certain you're supposed to be together, and are mature enough to commit the remainder of your lives to one another. Or you might need to break up. See, I, I am a, uh, I'm always suspicious when people, and I'm, again, I'm not talking about teenagers here, but people are grown adults and they're like, hey, we are, we've been dating for the last three and a half years and now we're gonna have a four-year engagement. But hey, we're, we're honoring God and we're not having sex outside of marriage. And so I go to these one of two thoughts. A, I don't believe you. <laughs> B, why in the world would you wanna marry someone you're willing to wait seven and a half years to have sex with? Laugh with me, folks, that's just true. <laughs> It's like, hey, I don't believe you or you guys should never get married. And, and so listen, I, I'm not a believer. And again, I'm not talking about kids here, but I'm not a believer in uh, really long dating relationships, really long courtships, really long engagements. I'm not suggesting that everyone have a whirlwind romance like Claire and I did. Claire and I started dating at the end of October. We were engaged in the middle of February, 26 years ago, this last week. And then, we were, uh, and then we were married in July. I'm not suggesting everyone do that, but here's the thing. It shouldn't take you three years to talk yourself into the fact that someone's the one. If it takes three years, again, I'm not talking about kids here, but if it takes you three years, like, oh, you know what, maybe, maybe they're good enough. You can do better. Now listen, if you've been dating someone for three years, whatever, you know, just send the letters to... Someone else. Um, and so, uh, here's the last thing and we're done. I think. Yep, yep. Well, last thing and we're done. Mark of a healthy dating relationship is shared optimism for the future, but willingness to actually deal with the issues. Look here, uh, verse eight. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains bounding over the hills. She sort of sees him like a superhero. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands. This part feels a little creepy. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows. It's sort of <laughs> peeping Tom vibes. And uh, this is not to be modeled. Some scholars believe it's this imagery of he really sees into my heart. But I would use different language if writing a poem to someone today. The way he peeks in my window feels, makes me feel so special. Um, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, this is the man talking, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. Here's what he's saying. He's saying good times are here to stay. There's this incredibly 
positive, um, optimistic outlook on the future. You say, man, the winter's over and, and, and the springtime has come sometime around June 13th. We're gonna look around and say, I think winter's over. <laughs> and we got like four months until it gets cold again. And we're gonna be so excited. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, the, 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 the winter's over and springtime's here. The, the rain is, is past. The, the flowers are blooming. You see, it's this image of everything is awesome. There's this shared optimism for the future, and, and there should for sure be that. This idea, here's a, here's a picture. Dating should be mostly easy. Dating is about going out to eat. That's easy. It's about seeing movies. I'm amazing at that. It's about going for nice, relaxing walks and getting to know each other. If that season is, is very difficult a lot, it's a red flag. Because here's what happens. You get married. And then you throw in some kids. And you're paying for braces, college, and a mortgage. And there's all these dirty dishes. That stuff's hard. Dating should be mostly easy. There's this optimistic view. He's like, man, everything, she's like, she sees him like a superhero. He's like, winter's past, it's beautiful days ahead. There's this incredible optimism, but not fantasy land. There's this recognition that there are some things to work on. Let me show this to you. The woman says, uh, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. It's these little things. It's the little things that, that ruin a relationship usually. It's the little things of, of not, not noticing each other, not talking to each other enough. It's these little foxes. And, and so it's this imagery of these, these issues that if not tended to, will weaken the relationship, whether dating relationship or married relationship. It, and there's some scholars think that maybe, maybe even when this language catch us, for, catch for us the foxes, maybe she's talking to the man, maybe she's talking to a third party. Hey, maybe inviting some, some third party assistance here. And, and, and so whether you're dating or married, regularly ask the question, what are the little things in our relationship? that if not dealt with, could really harm us. It could be as simple as needing to set aside more time to really talk. Claire and I were talking about that just this last week. It's like, gosh, with everything in our lives, it's like if we don't like go out of our way to just go on some walks at the end of the night, to take some time away from the kids at the end of the night, we don't get a chance to just talk enough. It could look like that. It could be as simple as setting aside more time to have fun together. That's one of the th biggest mistakes people make is that when they're dating, they do all this fun stuff, and then when they get married, life just takes over. Maybe it's as small as setting aside more time for fun. But it could be needing to, to bring in some outside help. Maybe, maybe you need some, some, some counseling, some marriage counseling. Claire and I have done that off and on over through the years just to kind of stay tuned up, just to stay, keep the marriage maintained well. But, but here's the thing. If there is not this overwhelming shared optimism for the future, and if you guys are not able to, uh, to, unable to healthily work through your issues or conflict, it might be time to break up. So as we wrap this up, just a few closing thoughts. Some of you are single. You're not dating anyone, but you wanna be. And I pray that God would do a work in your heart 
where, where when the time comes that, that you won't compromise, but that you will go after God's best in God's time. And some of you are, are dating someone, and, and you need God to clarify and give wisdom if you should continue to take next steps in the relationship, or if it's time to move on. Some, the, the kindest thing you can do, once you realize that someone is not the one, the kindest thing you can do for yourself and for them is to end the relationship so you each can move forward. Some of you are dating someone and the relationship has gotten sexual, but you wanna honor God. And, and there are some tough choices to make and you need God's help. And some of you are married and you stopped even trying to date one another long ago. And this is a moment as we go into Valentine's Day to recommit to working on and enjoying your relationship. And each week I just wanna remind us all there is one whose banner over us is love. And he is preparing for us the greatest banquet of all time, a, a wedding feast like no other. He's the one whose love is stronger than death. He's the one who will never walk out and never give up on us. He's the one who gave everything for us, proving his love dying in our place. And he is where our ultimate hope and love is found. And he has given us romantic love in this life as a gift that when done his way can be a beautiful picture and a shadow of a far greater gift. And that gift is Jesus. Let me pray for you. So Father, I do, Lord, just wanna pray for everyone wherever they find themselves. Maybe those that find themselves single and content just to serve you and make their life count that way. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless them and sustain them in that. Those that are single and, and desire ultimately to, to be married, Lord, I pray that you'd guide them in that, preparing them for that, to be a person ready for a healthy relationship that honors you and that you would guide them in those next steps. Lord, I pray for those that are in a dating relationship and trying to figure out if this one, if this person is the one. And Lord, I pray that you'd make those things clear. Lord, I pray for those that, that love you and wanna honor you with their lives and they're in a dating relationship that's crossed sexual boundaries and now they don't know what to do. Lord, I pray that you would guide them and direct them in a path that would honor you and be for their very best flourishing. Lord, I pray for those that are married. Lord, I pray that you'd help us each, Lord, to continue to pursue and date our spouses. Lord, that we'd have marriages that are a shadow and a picture and a reflection of your love for us in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.